Father God, again, you are good. You are a good Father. You love us. You care for us. You desire for us to be in relationship with you. And through the sacrifice of Jesus, you have made a way. You've brought us hope and life and freedom. And the opportunity to walk alongside you as you bring your glory and presence to the world. Father, you invite us to be a part of that. We get to share in that and enjoy who you are in that. And God, we say thank you. Father God, now as we turn to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us, God, that we would see what your goodness looks like and what goodness looks like for us, what you're inviting us into. Challenge us this morning, God. Speak to us and allow us to see who you are a little more clearly, that we can love you a little more deeply and follow you a little more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Again, thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. As we begin, let's open our Bibles or click over there to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, one of my very, very, very most favorite psalms, and it's right at the beginning. So whenever you go through the psalms, you come to it every time. Works out great. If you peter out halfway through, well, you still got to read Psalm 1, and that's a good one. Psalm 1. Let's read this together this morning. It's going to set, us, uh, set the table for us a little bit in the places that God is leading us here today. Psalm chapter 1, he says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. A person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. God has called us to new life, a life that honors Him, that follows Him, changed and transformed by Him, meditating on His Word, planted by the stream in rich soil, fed and held by Him, bearing fruit to bless others, trusting Him and knowing that He has so much more in store for us because God is good. We are called to live for Him. This morning we're continuing our journey through the fruit of the Spirit, as Isaiah mentioned, exploring this calling from God for His people to be a sacred place, a spiritual presence in our world, in the lives of the people around us, a place of pause, of rest, a place to find hope and forgiveness, a place to see God. As we seek to bring the presence of God into the lives of others as He is present, as His Spirit works in and through us. It's a powerful calling. It's a profound mission and one that we can feel so ill-equipped to live out. Because when I look at my own life and I'm impatient the grocery store and grumpy in my car and frustrated with my kids and selfish with my time, how am I supposed to be bringing the presence of God into people's lives when I'm living like that? 
And especially when those people around us are so annoying all the time. (laughs) We fail. And we are weak. And God is calling us to these beautiful and wonderful things. And we choose selfishness and insecurity and fear when He wants us to know confidence and freedom and hope and abundant life. Generosity and mission and sacrifice. The way we live matters. The things we choose matter. Our words, our behavior matters. A life grounded in faith and living for others instead of ourselves matters. It's important. We have to see what God is doing, what He's inviting us into. God cares for us. And He wants to bless us and He wants us to know His abundant love and care. But not just for ourselves, when we are planted by that stream in rich soil, fed by that flowing water, it is to be a blessing, to bear fruit, to provide shade and shelter. We are a blessing. We are blessed to bless others, to bring that presence to others, to show them what a life lived with the power of the Spirit of God looks like, forgiven and free and given purpose to glorify God. This has been an incredible journey, and I hope you've been as challenged as I have as we've walked through these things, exploring the fruit of the Spirit, those things that He wants to produce in our lives as we live by that stream. For us to enjoy, we get to enjoy them too. Life is better when we are filled with the fruit of the Spirit, but it gets, gets even more betterer when we share them. Living the very love of God, revealing His heart to the people around you. Bringing joy into fear and hurt. Being a person of peace. In the life of someone else, that's shelter in the storm. Offering patience, that grace and forgiveness in a world that is so hard and uncaring. And just being kind, that offering of simple kindness in a world that is so harsh. And all people know is the sting of cruelty. We are called to be a sacred people, a sacred place for people to find Jesus. And in each of these fruit, we reveal different parts of who He is, what He is. All of them building together, building on one another, working together. But each one a unique aspect of the heart of Jesus and the love of our Father. All important And each built into us by His Spirit as we walk with Him, as we study His Word, as we gather together and build one another up, serving and sacrificing together, praying and worshiping together, letting Him work and speak and shape and mold and slowly transform us more and more each day into the image of Jesus. He fills us more and more with His goodness. Goodness. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit that we are called to have and to be. 
And to be perfectly honest, it's probably the fruit that I've thought the least about of all of these in this whole list. It almost kind of feels like a weird word to include in this list. We've already got kindness and we've already got other things that kind of like, what does it mean? What is goodness? How can we be goodness? Love we get. Joy, sure, peace, patience, kindness. We can understand those things. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those make sense. Goodness doesn't feel like something we can do in the same way as those other fruit. And so it's kind of one that I, I'm telling on myself a little bit here. You, none of you do this because you're all better than me. But it's one that I skip over, almost. It feels insubstantial when compared to the others. There's less there to focus on or something. It's overlapped so much by the other ones. And honestly, I was even kind of struggling to preach on this one when I was putting the series together back in the summer. I was like, that's going to be a tough week. I don't know how we're going to stretch that one out. But don't worry, you're not getting out of here early. There's lots here. It's going to be great. It's almost like God's Word is alive or something, that it's living and active. I think someone said something like that one time. Because I, as I ex- began to explore this word kind of in the middle of this list that we just kind of breezed past, God began to speak powerful things about what He is calling us to that I had never really seen before. This word is so important and in a way it's so different from the others. It's almost like the Holy Spirit knew what He was doing when He was laying these things on Paul's heart. Funny how that is. But turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 18. We're going to build off of Psalm 1. We're going to tell a little bit of a story here in Luke chapter 18. The story, uh, we're going to look at a bunch of different scriptures today. Again, Psalm 1 talking about those trees planted by living water, that that flowing uh, spring, that spirit of of, of God just flowing in and through us. And we're going to start our journey kind of here with this story of the rich young ruler, likely a familiar story to many of us if we've been around the church for a while. But there's this young man who confronts Jesus wanting to know what it takes to inherit eternal life. And he has A very interesting conversation with Jesus while this whole crowd is standing there. It doesn't turn out very well for him as Jesus reveals some things to him and to us about the heart of God and the life he desires for us to live. Luke chapter 18, let's read this together beginning in verse 18. It says this, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus being Jesus always just hits back so hard. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, 
What is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Why do you call me good? There is no one good except God. There's a thousand layers to this story, and we can't explore all of them today, but this man wanted to know what it takes to be found righteous in God's sight. What do we have to do? And so he tries to start with flattery, good teacher. And in that moment, he reveals his whole heart to Jesus, that it wasn't about God. It wasn't about pleasing God. It was all about himself. The man didn't care about honoring God. He wanted honor for himself to be found righteous just as he was. To be good enough. Jesus sees right through him and he calls him out and he calls out his selfishness and his pride, his deep attachment to the world and the weight and hold that his wealth had on him. And he revealed the truth that true life is found only in Jesus. Go and sell all you have, give it to the poor and then come follow me. It's Jesus. From beginning to end, it's Jesus. There is nothing else. There is no one else. He is it. Our hope, our life, our salvation, our future, it's all Jesus. But, or more accurately, and, at the same time, Jesus says some very revealing things here too that speak to the goodness of God. And what Jesus understands good to be. There is no one good except God, he says. And then, the first thing Jesus draws this man's attention to is God's word. God is good. So what does God's word say? When we talk about goodness, when we look at this fruit of the Spirit, Look at what Jesus says here. Goodness is not some nebulous, ethereal, philosophical, mysterious feeling. God's goodness is His nature and His law. Goodness is not just feely, messy niceness. It is the revealed and transforming power of His Word. Jesus' response to this man begins with the law, the Ten Commandments, the pattern of life that God has given us to live. And Jesus reveals the problem that has always been. This man, at least in his own estimation, had followed these things, but the law is not enough to change our hearts, to bring salvation. But the law, God's Word, is the pattern of life that God's creation is meant to follow. 
Only God is good and God has given us His Word that we might know what God is, that we might know who He is. And we are meant to study it, to know it, to meditate on it, to memorize it, to embody it. Jesus assumes this man knows the Word as the starting point. And while it will not change His heart, Jesus assumes that when his heart is changed, his life will reflect God's word. Goodness is not a simple word in this list. It is a massive call to a pattern of life that aligns with the Word of God, leaving behind our old wealth, giving up our wealth, our home, our wife, our brothers and sisters and parents and children for the sake of the kingdom of God, as Jesus said, to find new life, a new way of living in Him. Goodness is submission to God and living according to His Word. It is receiving His gift of grace through faith alone and then honoring Him in our walk in this life, purified by His Spirit and then living as transformed people made in the image of Jesus. We are saved by Him and so our life must look different. Turns out this word goodness is hardly skippable. It's not a filler to pad out the list. Goodness is huge. It's not a call to niceness. It's God calling us out. And reminding us of what He is calling us to. That the life we live matters, that the choices we make matters, our behavior, our actions are meant to align with His will, that our life was meant to look different, that He has told us how to live and He expects us to do it because it is best and simply because He is God. So easily in the modern church, we can get squirmy when we talk about these kinds of things because we've seen this kind of sermon before and heard this kind of teaching and it can so quickly descend into legalism and gatekeeping. And we in our own heart pick out the three sins that we don't personally struggle with but are super bad and then we judge others based on those three sins and those few behaviors. Good Christians don't drink, smoke, or chew or go with folks who do. And Christianity just quickly quickly becomes a list of don'ts and then we're fine. Or we swing the other way and our behavior doesn't matter because it's all under grace anyways and Jesus is just love, man. We don't have to worry about it. Just live and let live and He'll forgive us anyway. And either way, we miss out on such a massive part of the gift God is offering to us. Living according to God's word is not a hardship or a punishment. It's a gift because he means for our life to be better. 
Yes, he is God, and we need to live according to his word just because he said so. He's God. But his word is not arbitrary. It's not cruel or restrictive. He is meant for us to have abundant life with him. He wants the best possible life for you, and he has told you what it looks like. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays this out for us. And don't worry, we're not going to do a whole sermon on the Sermon on the Mount now. Checking your watch. Wait, we're just getting to this now? Chill out. Go and read it. Matthew chapter 5 to 7. Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus revealing all of this exactly to us. Salvation is found in Him alone, but it doesn't erase the calling, the life that He is calling us to live now in Him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but fulfill them. Therefore, he says, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments or teaches others to live accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The law will not save us. But when we are saved, we should be filled with a hunger to live according to God's word. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law and to free us to live according to that law as God always intended. Filled with a hunger for God's righteousness, fleeing from sin and desiring holiness. Jesus speaks to them about the true depth of God's law, the things they had missed as they tried to legalistically work their way through it, how He desires us to be transformed. If you have hate in your heart, you have committed murder. If you have lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. The power of our words and taking oaths, do not judge or you will be judged. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, He says. Our behavior, our words, our life, our heart matters. We are forgiven by grace alone, through faith alone. I'm going to keep saying it. And we are called to live according to that grace and that faith, pursuing holiness and righteousness, goodness, according to God's word. Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, our mouth speaks. Our words and our actions are rooted in our hearts. And what we are filling our hearts with will determine the way we live. The way we act, the way we speak. We are those trees and we choose where we are planted. 
where we are rooted, the things that are feeding us, whether we will bear good or bad fruit. Are we planted by the stream or by the sewer? Paul tells us in Romans that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. What are we filling our minds with? Our lives with? God's Word? Things that speak hope and life or lies and poison? What are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we spending our time doing? Who is influencing us? We can so easily spend hundreds, even thousands of hours consuming content, media, filled with lies and every awful thing we can imagine and call it entertaining. Watching people be horrible to one another for hours and hours. What is happening to our hearts and our minds as we flood them with these things for hour after hour after hour? Pornography and selfishness and vanity, gluttony and cruelty and deception. What are the things we watch and take in speaking to us? And then we maybe have a 15-minute devotional we come to church to gather together with the body of believers once in a while? When do you spend time praying with someone? Talking about the things of God with someone? Where's the life? Where is the stream? Where is the goodness? What are we hungering for? And I'm not going to sit here and judge each little thing that we do or watch or listen to. It's not about that. But what do you hunger for? Where is your tree planted? What are you being fed by? What does your life look like? The choices you make, your behavior. What do you hunger for? In Philippians 4, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Is that what we want? From the beginning, God called the Israelites to live according to His Word. He gave them His Word, His law, that they would know how He wanted them to live for their own good and to be a witness. Because a life lived in line with God's Word, with His design in pursuit of Him, reveals the goodness of God to the world. His heart his design, His purpose. And if we are called to be a spiritual presence, our life needs to look the way He wants it to. We need to live the way He wants us to. We need to be filling our hearts and our minds with the goodness of God. Because it is good. 
and it shows the world what good is. This morning, God is calling you to His goodness, inviting you to know His goodness. He has told us what it looks like. He's given us 2,000-some pages, pouring out His heart to us, His design to us. He has given us His Spirit, guiding us into all truth. He has given us each other to walk together and pull one another toward goodness. Let's put away the things that hold us back. Let's run from temptation and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's live in the goodness of God and show the world what that looks like, that they can know what is good too. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are good. We thank you, God, that you are so much greater than we can know, that you are so far beyond us. We are so small. But God, you are also not unknowable. You have given us your word. You have given us your spirit. You have given us your body here that we can journey together and know you. What you want is not some grand mystery. You have laid out for us the pattern of life you desire for us to embrace. Holiness, righteousness, purity caring for the lost and the broken, the outcast and the orphan, being generous and sacrificing, focusing on those things that are good and true and right. Father God, we pray that you would fill us with a hunger for those good things. Father God, so easily we like to feel dangerous. We like to feel strong as we play with temptation or watch things or consume things or spend time in things that we know aren't building us toward you. We want to feel interesting. We want to feel all of these different dangerous things. Free us from that, Father, that we would pursue holiness. Burn those things out from us, God, that hold us back from knowing you. Surround us, God, with people that we can pray with together, that we can talk about you together, that we can explore your word together and know you together and serve together. God, we thank you for your body that we can gather, that we can be encouraged and challenged and reminded of the life that you are calling us to. And we thank you that you are gracious. You know our weakness and our failing, and God, you forgive. We invite your forgiveness. We ask, God, that you would... Draw us closer. Help us to live in a way that shows the world how good you truly are. In Jesus' name, amen.